1: The world is a mess. A summer of deadly heat and other natural catastrophes has demonstrated the immediate consequences of accelerating climate change. The onset of famine in parts of Africa and elsewhere have underscored the fragility of the conditions in which many millions of people live and struggle to survive. The mutating coronavirus and the appearance of monkeypox are reminders that pandemics might become part of the new normal. And social and political tensions are high and rising, not the least because of the war in Ukraine. To quote the Ghostbusters, who are you going to call? For many, the answer is science and technology. We are in an era of dramatic scientific discovery and technological innovation. Amazing advances in robotics, nanotechnology, genomics, neurotechnology, life sciences, and beyond are as much characteristic of our time as are the messes. And unlike the messes, they offer potential pathways to a more robust, resilient, and potentially prosperous future. My guest today plays an interesting in, and important role in the process of transforming scientific discoveries into practical realities. Scott Cohen is co-founder of New Lab, an American-based effort to bring together entrepreneurs, engineers, and inventors to solve some of the world's biggest challenges. Welcome, Scott. Thank you. I'm very glad to be here, Alan. Thank you so much. Let's start with the meta question. Are you confident, and if so, why, that disruptive technologies can be harnessed at speed and at scale to push societies towards better outcomes?
2: I mean, I'm hopeful, and uh, I do have a lot of uh, faith in science uh, and technology to usher in. Technologies that improve lives, uh, in the next hundred years, they went the way they did in the past 150 years. I think, I think anytime there's invention, uh, and innovation and, uh, discoveries that impact human lives, there are really positive outcomes, but also inherently unforeseen and negative outcomes. And I think, uh, we'll probably have some of those as well, but, but I am confident that, uh, that at the you know the very time that we're confronting some of the uh, the uh, really uh, daunting and austere challenges that you signaled in the beginning of this discussion, that uh, it is a paradox that at the same time those are seem insurmountable. There is a lot of new science and invention, and uh, a generation of youth that uh, are harnessing the tools we've invented with the last generation of tools to. Uh, uh,
1: solve problems. I think it's pretty, uh, inspiring and, and, uh, it does give me hope. Let's talk about the process. I know that you and others driving New Lab in particular say it's not an incubator. What is New Lab and how does it work?
2: Well, New Lab is a center of invention. So we, we really focus on, uh, supporting and nurturing and, uh, collecting a high concentration of people that are inventing uh, solutions to challenges. Uh, So, these are people, like you mentioned, working in nanotechnology, working in genomics, working uh, with robotics and sensors. And increasingly, uh, solutions we see today are not solutions that use one of those technologies, but many of them. It's usually a confluence of many technologies that address problems. And so, we uh built a facility for sure. Uh that 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 is a is one of the tools that uh people that are part of our community and network use as a resource, as a place to uh meet one another, as a place to prototype, uh place to actually build the early stages of their companies. Uh, but uh at its heart, we I would say New Lab is the translational layer. We actually have uh, methodologies uh, inside New Lab uh, that are deployed by our team to act as the translational layer between uh, existing infrastructure in the world that is looking for a way to transform themselves and to kind of turn around the bend of history right now and become a, a different kind of organization or, or apply uh, new uh, solutions to waste streams or new solutions to. To retarding carbon emissions or new types of materials, well, it's very difficult for large organizations or even governments to make those changes because generally, large organizations in the world are designed and built to repeat the same thing over and again and build for efficiency. Whereas uh, new companies, new uh, inventions, uh, often aren't exactly right the first time. Uh, They really need to pilot and test in the field uh, with the infrastructure that exists in the world, and uh, they actually need uh, different capital structures. And so we uh, consider the inventors and the engineers and the scientists the DNA of what we do uh, around the world, but we actually serve both. We actually sit in the middle and acts as a translational kind of midwife between uh large organizations with the uh the appetite the desire uh to uh, embrace the kind of change that that uh, is healthier for the planet and for for uh for people on this planet and uh the entrepreneurs and engineers that are trying to enter the world in one form or another and we really believe markets are uh a verifying factor, like if if you can't build if you if you can't build a solution that is going to be embraced by a market in some form or fashion, you're not likely to actually have the impact that we all desire in the world.
1: There are a bunch of threads there that on which I want to pull. Uh, let me say one thing first. I should have said up top that New Lab is physically located in Brooklyn, uh, so sitting in in essentially sitting in New York City, uh, which is becoming in part because of the work you've done in NuLab a more and more important place for innovation. We usually think of the West Coast and Cambridge, and, but, but you, you've put Brooklyn on the map. Uh, in, the, in the process of your description, you just used the words partnership and community, uh, which I want to ask about. Those are collective concepts. They're cross-fertilization kinds of concepts. And some of us have in mind that old garage with with Steve Jobs and Wozniak sitting there making a computer for the first time and giving birth to Apple. Yours is a fundamentally different model uh, that incorporates not just, as you said, inventors, but also companies and governments and 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 engineers and scientists. How do you create, sustain and nurture those kinds of communities?
2: Well. Uh... You know, a reasonably good mental model that inspired us when we were designing New Lab as a place and a system would was like, uh, you know, the cafeteria at MIT, uh, not the Media Lab, but the old MIT, where 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 people would bump into each other and talk about the things they were working on exchange ideas and and parts of the building where you could go down and essentially put up false walls and start experimenting with something that uh, you you did the math for and now you want to build some sort of physical manifestation of it and invite people down to look at it. Similarly, at Bell Labs, I mean, there was a lot of that happening at Bell Labs. The difference between both of those is that, you know MIT is an academic institution uh it it is uh they they do uh have a long history of you know being in a place where new ideas are born uh Bell Labs similarly had the same kind of culture but was owned by one corporation and uh ours is very much a ground up i mean we we there's a group of investors uh that formed a public private partnership with the city and state of New York and we do, uh, you know, uh, have a business there, uh, a few businesses, but it really is a ground up kind of place. You can, you, you get there, you feel that you know people that belong to New Lab feel like they have a sense of ownership, and I'm speaking about the scientists, engineers, and entrepreneurs. And then increasingly, companies that work with us—if a, if a large corporation comes to us, it's not like they can take up space at New Lab and take an office along with entrepreneurs and engineers. That's not the way it works. We we really uh, what, we, what we do with large organizations, we say the way you interact with this community, the way you get them to think about your problems, because they're not likely the kind of people that are ever going to take a job with your company, but the way you get to interact with them is by engaging with them through a process, through the innovation studios we create. And that process is what uh, engenders the kind of relationship that um, really yields uh, really milestone-based results that are measurable And accountable the the way uh, a large organization that's trying to navigate complex systems in the world uh, would need to make decisions about what to do next, and uh, so uh, there are it does become a kind of community because most of the corporations we work with uh, come back year after year for more of the same because it's actually a very efficient way to uh, to harvest innovation. because it's not just who's in our building it's really like uh it's very specifically once we identify challenge we're using our network to scour the planet israel turkey uh you know the balkans we want to know who is has some piece of the solution to that problem and then we rank them and bring the superstars together to uh actually um
1: deploy pilots that's an important point you're not passively waiting for someone to knock on the door. You're actively trying to address issues and find, as you said, the superstars that have the potential to do so, right? Our outreach is uh, rooted in a
2: design uh, around a challenge. So we design the outreach around a very specific challenge. And then that, that, that entire uh, system that's designed is designed to look for either someone that has a solution, but usually it's people that have many parts of a solution that then are introduced to our clients, uh, vetted, critiqued. And then that leads to pilots, to investments, sometimes acquisitions, uh, but often to new innovation. And, uh, and sometimes uh, we discover um, there's a lot of great knowledge and research there but really, uh, there is not a, a single company that is solving that, and we need to build a new company, in which case we have um, uh, teams that then work on uh, growing a new company from the ground up. Uh, and and you can imagine that is a long road, but but it's something we really believe in. And we believe that um, with our network uh, and, and our, our team, that we can de-risk the early stages of start a comp- starting a company because it's Rooted in a specific challenge, we have uh, real-world examples of of the demand and need, and uh, we can build around that as opposed to, uh, you know, just having an idea, spending three years building it, and hoping you're going to find you know find someone that will will test it. So it's it's uh, we really are focused on on trying to take huge leaps forward, but also to mitigate as much risk as we can.
1: I want to get to the capital question in a minute, but you use the term Innovation Studio, which I know has a particular meaning uh, in the New Lab uh, ecosystem.
2: Yeah, Innovation Studio is a process that um, is a product, but it's also a process that was born out of uh, CEOs of large organizations coming out to New Lab uh, and asking us how they can get people like this thinking about their problems. And uh, our answer to that was this process we created, which uh, really is based on this belief system that uh, large organizations don't need any more white papers about how to solve their problems. They they actually need solvers. They need people uh, that are that are that can can actually do the hard work. And uh, we fundamentally believe that if you could pick almost any problem the world's facing or an organization is facing. And you're probably going to find an entrepreneur, an engineer, an inventor out there that's already been thinking deeply about some aspect of it. Uh, and so you might find someone, like I was with on the phone with a CEO of a very large company uh, this week uh, that runs one of the largest uh, logistics operation in South America. And they expressed to us, like, we know that we're going to find founders that can solve our mobility and logistics issues uh, five years from now with all kinds of amazing solutions and people that are the twenty and thirty yard line of those solutions, but we really need to find people that are the eighty yard line that are near the, that are near the goalpost on solutions for the next two years, and we're willing to invest in both, but like they consider they they would consider the studio not fully realized that we couldn't solve. Uh, you know, last mile solutions with EV in the next two years in a pretty significant way. So that changes up the way we are design the challenge. We know that we have some very near term uh, solutions we need to solve, and then we've got medium to long term as well, which obviously could be things like hydrogen and 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 other other forms of mobility. And so, in it, just to clarify, the Innovation Studio are generally year long cycles. We design the challenge with our partners. We do the outreach uh, around the world. We receive submissions, usually hundreds, uh, and then we rank them. And then a subset of those become part of the program. We actually pay them to deploy pilots and uh, and then the, the other outcomes after that. And usually there's a second year and a third year cycle that advances these things.
0: If you feel that the world lacks global leaders, please help support the Talberg Foundation programs. Individual donations are being accepted at talbergfoundation.org/donate. That's T A L L B E R G foundation.org/donate.
1: Speed and scale, we need both obviously. But getting things from that prototype stage as you've described Um, and scaling to the size needed to address even small aspects of of big problems requires a lot of capital. Even wonderful breakthroughs require both money and political will to make them happen. Uh, There aren't a lot of recent examples, I don't think, although the vaccine response to COVID might be one. Uh, Can you think of others? Or, Or how do you better, better than can you think of others? how do you incentivize the capital to take great ideas and and run with them as you said from the over the goal line yeah i mean it it
2: actually has to make sense i i really think that um we have to believe that uh the most interesting problems if solved correctly Create jobs and opportunity, and uh, you know, and have uh, a really uh, a market force around them. Uh, I think that the real pickle is time. Like uh, the 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 lens that venture has been conditioned to look at investing because of we've just been through a software revolution is uh, not really appropriate for the kinds of innovation that uh, we're confronting now, because it does take longer. Uh, It is harder to pivot when you're developing physical prototypes and you've got to deploy them out in the field, learn from what's going on with 300 vehicles and and how batteries are getting recharged and then maybe go back to square one and redo it again. So I think that there does need to be, and I think I am seeing, a different class of more patient capital and also different structures of financing infrastructure. It doesn't, you don't really, like a lot of companies in this space have really heavy infrastructure costs. And, and if we can create uh, the appropriate debt instruments for those where they don't have to raise venture capital to then go finance infrastructure, then they can stretch their dollars a lot further. So that kind of, that kind of world is emerging around, uh, these fields that we're talking about. Uh, and I also think, uh, there's a role to play, uh, with the large companies in the world, like the Fords of the world may discover that, you know, they are a service company more than they are an automobile company. And, uh, they, you know, and I think they're all, you know, we're working very closely with Ford. We're building a facility in partnership with them in Detroit. And, uh, our partners in South America are interested in, can Ford help us fulfill, uh, the, the scale that we need to, uh, realize our logistics challenges. And so we have to ask those questions of our partners and see if they can, if they can, if they can help as well.
1: Can you give us a couple examples of things that re- projects, maybe innovation studios that really excite you at this point, uh, in terms of either really cool technology or far more importantly, real promise to address some of the kinds of existential issues I know you're working on. I mean, there, there are many, we have,
2: I think, around 23 innovation studios running concurrently right now. Um, we are, uh, one that's pretty interesting uh, that's emerging right now is focused on on building a healthcare company out of an apparel company. So it's a company that sells close to the skin apparel, and they're really interested in uh, how they can you know turn the apparel into a sensing device to sense really critical health issues in in in, in people and uh, actually working. A bit with our friends up at, at Tufts as well on some technology that they have uh at, at Silk Lab. And so uh you know that studio emerged out of a, a very large company realizing they have a lot of knowledge and know-how and they have a they have a, a massive uh you know uh reach in the world and what more could they do to serve that constituency and so they 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 wanted to try and build uh, you know a healthcare company around what they already do. Uh, that's something dealing with human health. Uh, we're we're working with uh, a a large uh, mining company in South India that is interested in building uh, you know healthier processes around. Different types of mining processes, and also uh, uh, looking at ways to uh, address safety issues around the way mine uh, uh, tailings and things are managed around the world. And there's a tremendous amount of, you know, really great work happening there. Uh, that industry, which uh, you know, is perhaps viewed by some people as a very dirty industry, but basically everything we touch in the world comes from a material. We're not going to stop relying on materials. And it's an industry that uh, finally, because of, you know, groups like this and and the studio we've built, which is in its uh, third or fourth year, is really, you know, aggregating all the different thinkers around the world that have solutions to problems around uh, both environmental and safety issues and Aggregating them together and, and partnering uh, with uh, uh, other mining companies that are also joining the studio. So it's you know you can imagine now we have I think three different large mining companies that are all feeding off the same flow of opportunities. Uh, we're also working uh, now on a uh, blue economy studio focused on uh, ocean and uh, and and micro industries that are emerging. Around uh, keeping our our coastlines uh, robust and clean and safe, and also uh, looking for opportunities of you know new materials that may come from things like seaweed and kelp, uh, which are are really uh, significant uh, carbon sinks and and sources of nutrition and potential uh, materials for, for replacements to materials otherwise created by fossil fuels.
1: Let's talk ethics for a moment. Um, scientists, and at least some technologists, often argue that ethics is the user's problem, not theirs. They just invent, and they make, and they create, and whatever that whatever happens to it happens to it. Somebody else should worry about it. I know that is not the new lab approach, um, that you seek to embed ethics in the process of technological evolution and adoption. Um, but how possible is that really? And I'm thinking about everything from uh, potential uses like autonomous warfare to neurotechnologies that might impinge on free will. There's a lot of really funky stuff going on out there in the genetics field is, is an obvious one. Hmm. Is, it, is it ultimately about trust? And must we just trust that the technology will be well used? What can you do to try to improve the odds that that trust is, is well-founded?
2: Well, no, I, I don't think we should just trust that things are uh, are always going to be used for good. I, I look, I think it's, I think generally entrepreneurs and in, and inventors are going down a path, and uh, they they want to have those conversations. I don't think they most people I meet want to leave it for somebody else. I think uh, it's it's you know. Many things that are invented are. It's going to be a long time before a regulatory body actually uh, is ever wrapped around things like you know all the like all the work that's happening with brain machine interfaces right now uh, by by uh, you know pioneering uh, engineers. It's pretty daunting to think about the fact that we can't even really manage social media. And yet, we've got people taking uh, machine learning and AI, and then imagining a world where that is hooked up to your brain, and uh, both, you know, bidirectionally. That's a pretty, you know, like we're we're when we read our we're basically looking at our phones is a brain machine interface. We're just doing it optically right now, but we're getting all the dopamine kind of pulses constantly. And, uh, you know, I know that you share similar uh, sentiments. Like it's sometimes I step back and go, holy shit, I've lost control. And I don't know what could possibly go wrong, what What I'm doing. Yeah. And so imagine like a direct link into our brain or, or, or information entering us in ways that are passive and we don't even realize it. So I think the ethical discussions really, are, uh, there's probably more of an imperative now than ever before, and, uh, you know, on scale with other, you know, great inventions, you think back to the Manhattan Project, and those guys, you know, once they got deep into it, they realized that, that, that there was a lot of great potential to what they were inventing, but holy shit, this could have really significant implications on the world, and we're living in it, you know? And so, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't think there's a clean answer to that. But I do know that when we organize groups of people and we're working with new technology, we always try to have that voice at the table, and you know, to keep people in check and thinking about uh, what are the, what could be the negative implications of what we're working on.
1: Your own background is in photography and film, among other things, not science and engineering. How did you make the leap from? that world to this world? What is, it, what is it about the creative process that informs every great photograph that helped you to imagine, build, and now nurture New Lab? Well,
2: I mean, what got me here uh, was really, you know, I'm deeply, deeply curious about everything. Uh, you know, I had science kits and chemistry sets and uh, subscribed to science magazines but I also was always kind of an outsider and observer and someone that gathered as much information as I could. And I I chose to go into the arts uh, as a form of expression and of a form of, uh, you know, sending signals to people about what I see uh, through film and photography. Uh, But there was a certain point, you know, nine or 10 years ago where I, I did feel like I had a civic itch and I was trying to figure out how do I how do I do that? You know, I'm I, I, I'm not really trained in in anything specific yet. I do have a skill set to connect people, and it was just fortuitous that my partner David Belt, uh, who I'd known and done some projects with, was invited by the Bloomberg administration to think about what the center of what the center of gravity or center of invention would look like in uh, New York City. And uh, we really uh, took stock. We 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 went around New York City and realized, wow, there's there's a a tremendous amount going on there are people tucked away in basements uh, of universities there are people taking ceiling tiles out of buildings on wall street uh, building all kinds of strange contraptions doing great work but none of them really know each other none of them bump into each other they struggle to get access to the resources to get you know across town to do something or they're sending parts other places to china or 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 the midwest and we realized that um New York needed a center. Uh, the Navy Yard was a natural place for that, and that's where they wanted us to look because uh, Bloomberg really uh, pushed hard to make uh, the Navy Yard, which is the you know a complete industrial park where there used to be sixty thousand employees during the World Wars working there building ships, that was largely abandoned. And uh, you know it was really uh, fortuitous that the crown jewel of the Navy Yard, the former shipbuilding facility. The machine shop was in derelict condition, and uh, right at the entrance to the navy yard, it made sense to like make that the first uh, kind of landing pad for this. Uh, and so, yeah, I I, uh, I came at it sideways, but um, I figured out how my skill sets could add value to the equation. And and you know, and I'm I'm really am a beginner all the time. I'm a meeting scientist and like our friends uh, at Tufts and, and learning about what they're doing and trying to um, connect the dots and then uh, you know trying to then connect them with you know people in the world that can actually help them realize the vision they have with the science and technology that they've been working on.
1: All oh, of which is a fundamentally creative process. It is I did see a quote
2: by Wim, Wim vendors the other day, which is appropriate. And the quote was, The most political decision you can make is where you direct people's eyes. Art must inhabit its audience to create change.
1: Well, I'm glad you used the word politics because my last question was going to drag you into the political sphere. I introduced New Lab as an American institution, which is clearly more about geography than it is perhaps about perspectives or even values. We live in a world at the moment where competition and even confrontation seems to be growing, not diminishing. You live in a world which is fundamentally about cooperation in order to produce and engender progress. How, how do you avoid that competitive, confrontational, geopolitical world in order to solve the problems you're trying to address? I think we have something like
2: 31 or more nationalities working out of new lab. But I agree with you that um, there is a lot of competition, primarily between China and America and Europe. And it's really, like, I don't really feel that invention moves very, very slow in Japan. It happens, but it, it doesn't reach markets as fast as it does in America. There's something, there's, there's a reason even people in Europe try to come to America uh, to actually launch their companies because things just move at a faster clip. They're embraced more quickly. But I think that um, there is a world that we're experiencing right now that feels like it's becoming quite polarized. And uh, I think there are certain types of technologies that are and should be of national security concern uh, uh, that we should be minding what we're doing and who we're sharing it with. And we should be minding what's going on in other countries because, uh, the intentions may not be the same. They may not be noble intentions always. And, uh, you know, a lot of, of the technologies we use today came out of the military, uh, the internet and M&Ms and, uh, lots of things. But, uh, I think it's you know look I, I think it's it's always been that innovation was has been driven by national security concerns. A lot of innovation has been in all over the world, and uh, yeah, I don't you you asked a question that's difficult to answer, obviously, but it's I do I'm not naive. Like I think we have to actually mind our P's and Q's and. We at New Lab we have to actually do that as well. We have to be sensitive to uh, what foreign uh, nationals are coming into our building and and how information is being shared and who our investors are and all those things.
1: So between scratching your civic itch and eating M and M's, I haven't quite decided what to call this podcast. But I want to thank you very much for the conversation. Clearly. Uh, on New Thinking for a New World, we often dwell too much on what I said at the top, the messes, uh, and not enough, perhaps, on the potential uh, solutions to those messes. And New Lab is clearly one of the places on the planet where those, those potential solutions are being uh, hatched and developed and maybe brought to size and scale. So thank you very much, Scott, for the conversation. We learned a lot.
2: Thank you very much. It was really uh, wonderful talking to you and I I look forward to more conversations and and more from the Talberg Foundation.
0: Thank you for joining us. Please rate our show on Apple Podcasts and subscribe. Meanwhile, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or you can subscribe to our newsletter at talbergfoundation.org to learn more about our work. That's T-A-L-L-B-E-R-G foundation.org. Thank you, and we'll be back again next week for another episode of Talberg's New Thinking for a New World. This podcast was brought to you through the generous support of SNF, the Stavros Niarchos Foundation.